Dear world, it's Leanne. I am slightly delayed at getting this episode out, but that's okay. It is our next episode of Chatting Through the Chronicles, and we are going to be talking about The Magician's Nephew, chapters three and four. I, again, could have just kept going and going and going because I love this book, and it leaves you on a cliffhanger always, and there's so much that I wanted to read again that as I was reading it, I was like, oh, maybe I should read the next chapter. But I was like, no, you can't keep going. You just have to um, read what's for this week. So I did that. I am so excited to talk with you guys about it. First, I want to mention um, Goods and Better released their fall line on Monday. So go to the link in the podcast description and check it out. Next week is the Christian Alliance for Orphans Conference, and I'm so excited to go to that and learn more about the thing that sets my heart on fire, and um, been really intentionally praying about what the future looks like and um, all of those kinds of things, and I think um, this conference will be a good place to be still and listen and um, kind of see what God might be saying. I have some thoughts, but just really want, um, been praying for discernment for that. So I will be doing a lot of episodes about, um, adoption, orphan care, all of those things after next week, but then in November when it's National Adoption Awareness Month. So get ready for that. We are going to go ahead and dive in to Magician's Nephews chapters three and four. Chapter 3 is titled The Wood Between the Worlds, and I absolutely love this chapter. I think this would be the most fun ride to do. You walk in, and suddenly you you know are switching rings, and you emerge into this world. Um, the way he describes it, like, you're in water, or are you underwater? And, like, it's so... Um, your senses are all engaged in the way that C.S. Lewis writes this, and I just love that. I want to read this um, section about Diggory kind of coming to once he's in the world. The strangest thing was that, almost before he had looked about him, Diggory had half forgotten how he had come there. At any rate, he was certainly not thinking about Polly or Uncle Andrew or even his mother. He was not in the least frightened or excited or curious. If anyone had asked him, where did you come from? He would, would probably have said, I've always been here. That was that, what it felt like. As if one had always been in that place and never bored, although nothing had ever happened, as he said long after. It's not the sort of place where things happened. The trees go on growing. That's all. I think that is such a fun description of that because it is this thing of like, he knows where he is in a sense, but he also really doesn't. And just that, that whole description is just so well done, um, and establishes the fact that this place is not the place that the story is going to be happening. As the title implies, it is the wood between the worlds, and these are things that are beyond Uncle Andrew's understanding of this magic. It is, um, for Diggory and Polly to discover on their own, which is so fun. Uh, He then finds Polly, who I love that they don't immediately recognize each other. That's kind of the magic of the place is that they're like, 
what? Like, who are you? I think I know you from somewhere. And then seeing the guinea pigs. So fun. I love that. So then we keep going on and they're figuring out about what is happening, what has happened, how they ended up in this place and what they should do in return. I love the idea of both of these kids being like young and they had been on all these adventures this summer, but now this adventure was like beyond anything they could imagine at home even going through those going through the ceiling to these different houses like there was safety in that but Polly is so aware of the lack of safety and what they're trying to do and so she really is now like maybe this isn't the best idea and so when Diggory suggests that they go into another pool they he realizes that maybe, just maybe, this world is not the only one there is. Maybe this really, truly is just this in-between place. And he is so excited for what could be. And Polly is a little more hesitant as to the harms that could lie there. And I love the fact that they're like, Uncle Andrew didn't even know this. Because uh, it really, truly is their own discovery. And so they do their half between the uh, home and the wood between the worlds. I love that, how they're like, okay, we're going to kind of go and then we're going to change and it's going to be perfect. And I love that Polly would not allow Diggory to shout change because she knew um, that he would either not do it or do it at the wrong time and they wouldn't really find out. Love that. It's so fun. And the description of falling into London is, I love that as well. And then they get ready to go and mark, or go into another pool. And Polly, again, being the realist, and quite frankly, the girl in this situation is like, we need to mark this pool. This pool. Sorry, friends. Here's a confession. I have a bit of speech impediment, and I can't say words that have like, O-O-L-O-L-E. U-L-E. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> please excuse my inability to speak sometimes. It's a real, um, fun time. Um, anyways. <laughs> so, they get ready. They've marked the pool and are getting ready to decide which one they're going to jump into. Uh, and I love just thinking about what all of these pools could contain. You know, C.S. Lewis discusses some parts of this but like how many books could be written about they say there's pools as far as the eye can see how many books could be written on that love the idea of that and so they jump and then we get to chapter four chapter four is titled the bell and the hammer as this chapter opens we see polly and diggory entering this new world they have jumped into they are now sure that uncle andrew has found this magic because now they're doing things with this magic beyond what he could have ever imagined so they enter this world and it is dark and dreary and there's stone buildings around them that are falling apart and polly is immediately freaked out diggory is a little unsure but he is ready to explore of course and they're trying to figure out how to describe it and they're both 
just confused and they had held hands as they jumped into the pool and have not let go, which I think is such a good detail um, to describe the fact that Diggory is also just as scared as Polly. So they're going through this, this town and trying to figure out what was there. There's lots of archways and a lot of cracks in the stones and they are exploring and exploring and Polly assumes that no one has lived here in a really long time. I love this little description of it as they're trying to figure out if anyone or anything is living in this place. They stood still and listened, but all they could hear was the thump thump of their own hearts. This place was at least as quiet as the wood between the worlds, but it was a different kind of quietness. The silence of the wood had been rich and warm. You could almost hear the trees growing and full of life. This was a dead cold empty silence you couldn't imagine anything growing in it i think that is such an eerie description for a place and you can almost like imagine that if you think of maybe even like a scary movie and like some of those scenes where it's like this silence that you know something bad is about to happen i think that's what polly is imagining polly is so ready to go home but diggory of course is not and they get in a spat, which is the theme of this chapter, is that Polly and Diggory are annoyed with each other. And Polly's making, or Polly is upset. Diggory's making fun of her for being scared. And they're fighting. And he is trying to assure her that they can have their, their rings are in their pockets. They are close and they can get out at any time. So they, she, she says, okay. And they enter this uh, building that's, very big and seems to be like the main building and they go through this um hallway and into a larger courtyard that has a lot of stuff in it and polly is more scared now than she was before there are like creepy statues and it looks like things would be ready to fall over at any second uh diggory talks about how like a noise can set off an avalanche and she or and Diggory, he is scared that that is going to happen to this building as well. So they they look out over this place and there's there's these fountains, but they don't have water in them anymore. But they can see where the water once came and these old statues of weird looking animals, and they are just fascinated by all of this. There's dead plants, and everything is just so dead looking it looks like there should be grass and moss and floral things and it's just all dead and even at this point Diggory is thinking maybe it's time that we go back Polly of course has been in that mindset the whole time but Diggory is finally kind of getting along to the fact that maybe this isn't so safe which I just love that and so they continue walking on and suddenly they see a room full of people. At least at first they think they're people. They look and they stood still for a really long time because they were so scared of what might be. And they came to realize that these people were actually just statues. So they walked in and this time, for the first time in this adventure, Polly went first because she wanted to look at the clothes, which I'm like, yes, I understand that. These clothes were like magnificent and like royal even though they were 
statues, the clothes, it seems, based on the descriptions, the people were statues, but the clothes were still there and were still nice. Um, They described the colors crimson and silvery gray and deep purple and vivid green. Now, everywhere else, they talk about just not the lack of color, but how kind of dreadful it is. The stones are this, like, dark kind of red, kind of like a brick, and, like, the darkness of the sky. It's barely even blue. It's so dark. And then they see these these gowns and these... um, precious stones that are just beautiful and colorful and the it makes Polly wanting to go in make so much more sense because for the first time in this place they're seeing this beauty uh, and it's also lighter in this room than it had been in any of the others so they're they're taking a look at these at these people and the intricacies of their outfits and they continue walking down and we're looking at the people's faces. I'm going to read now a description as they continue walking. Polly nodded. All the faces they could see were certainly nice. Both the men and the women looked kind and wise, and they seemed to come of a handsome race. But after the children had gone a few steps down, the room they came to, the faces that, the, sorry, after the children had gone a few steps down the room they came to, they came to faces that looked a little different. These were very solemn faces. You felt you would have to mind your P's and Q's if you ever met living people who looked like that. When they had gone a little further, they found themselves among faces they didn't like. This was about the middle of the room. The faces here looked very strong and proud and happy, but they looked cruel. A little further on, they looked crueler. Further on again, they were still cruel but they no longer looked happy. They were even despairing faces, as if the people they belonged to had done dreadful things and also suffered dreadful things. That line gets me so much. The last figure of all was the most interesting, a woman even more richly dressed than the others. Very tall, but every figure in that room was taller than people of our world, with a look of such fierceness and pride that it took your breath away. Yet she was beautiful too. Years afterwards, when he was an old man, Diggory said he had never in all his life known a woman so beautiful. It is only fair to add that Polly also always said that she couldn't see anything especially beautiful about her. I love that line. They were even despairing faces, as if the people they belonged to had done dreadful things and also suffered dreadful things. I love how even in the mysterious and mystic and magical nature of this book C.S. Lewis is still bringing in elements of of life Um, if we think about the time that C.S. Lewis was probably writing these it was in the middle of World War II or post World War II when Europe had suffered a lot and he had seen these kiddos whose whose homes had to be evacuated um because of the air bombings that happened in London. And you think of him getting getting the newspaper and seeing pictures of Hitler, pictures of Nazis, and, and seeing those faces and describing them in this book. And I think, and, and, look, and thinking of those statues, could that have been what he was thinking of? And, you know, I think of the terrible things that we know today and 
obviously very little sympathy for Hitler. That's not what I'm saying. But when we when we look at these people and we think they have done dreadful things and dreadful things have been done to them, like, it breaks my heart. And that's a big thing of, you know, systemic. I, I always talk about foster care. The system is, like, constantly feeding itself and how if we can't get the system in order for the kiddos, the kiddos are going to add more kiddos into it. And it's just terrible. There's a tangent. Sorry. So they continue on into this room and they're, they're looking at this woman and they're, they're just so amazed with her. And then suddenly they remember that as they were walking down the room, there was a table in the middle. And it's so funny because I think an adult, the first thing they would have seen was the table and gone up to it, but they were so enamored by the people, the faces, the clothes that they just totally walked past it with no, no need. And there was writing on the table and I love this detail. It's so good. The writing was nothing like English writing, but suddenly they were also able to read it unlike anything it was unlike anything they'd ever known but suddenly the words became clear and it said make your choice adventurous stranger strike the bell and bide the danger or wonder till it drives you mad what would have followed if you had polly is of course immediately not having any part of that and she is so mad and is like we are not doing that which is what i would have done in that situation but diggory so quickly points out Okay, well, it's telling you that it's gonna, you're going to go crazy if you don't do it because you're always going to wonder what would have happened. Love that, and that's I need that kind of voice in my life because I'm always like, well, I won't do it because something bad could happen, but it's like also something wonderful could happen. We all know that's not what happened in this, but spoiler alert. <laughs> so slowly but surely they decide they are going to ring it. They get in this big fight. And <laughs> Polly is upset with um, Diggory and says that he looks like his uncle when he's saying these mean things to her. He's saying that, of course, she wouldn't want to do anything because all girls want to do is gossip about people getting engaged. It killed me because he wasn't wrong. Um and yeah, I just think it was this fight that they get in is so it's kids today. I spent my day with second graders and this is the kind of things that they, they argue just like this. And so it just, I love the realness of C.S. Lewis's writing. So as this chapter is getting ready to close, Polly is reaching for her ring. She is reaching for the ring to go back without Diggory. She is going to go. But suddenly Diggory reaches across her and hits her hand away and at the same time rings the bell and they are silent and the sound of the bell fades to the sound of crashing and ro a roar and there's clouds of dust and everything was again quiet. We don't get to know what happened next. That is not for the next chapter, but of course C.S. Lewis wants to leave us on a wonderful cliffhanger. And both thought it was, uh, well, 
Let me start back here. There, I hope you're satisfied now, panted Polly. Well, it's all over anyway, said Diggory. And both thought it was, but they had never been more mistaken in their lives. Oh, what a cliffhanger. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As I've said, it's going to be a few chapters before we really get into, like, more of the the things to pull out of the chapters about the comparisons with the Bible story and some of the deeper meanings. But there's still things even in these chapters. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure you are following along on social media and are ready for next week's episode, reading chapters five and six. That's all I've got for you today. Love, Leanne.